Welcome to the Holistic Accountant Podcast. The aim of this podcast is to demonstrate that many issues that your accountant deals with are multifaceted. Therefore, a holistic accountant's job is really to not only help you improve your business, but also help you improve your personal financial position. Before we get started today, I'd like to ask two favors. Firstly, if you enjoy this podcast, please share it amongst friends or colleagues that you think will all equally get some value from it uh, and or leave a rating where you listen to this podcast. It would help us tremendously. Secondly, if there are any topics that you're interested in, uh, please let us know. There's an email address in the show notes that you can just drop us a quick email and ask us to present on a particular topic. Okay, let's get started. Okay, so today Mina and I want to talk about holiday homes, uh, particularly if you go and buy a holiday house and uh, rent it out on Airbnb or whatever it might be, and the, the tax treatment and tax considerations. Yeah, so it's an area that the ATO is actually targeting uh, very heavily uh, lately, and um, it's important that you keep all, all your records very very clean and 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 have actually sort of third party documentation to support your 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 claims for any sort of expense or or most importantly is having third party information as to when the property was actually available for rent um, because what the ATO don't like to see is uh, you using it for personal use when the property wasn't or you wasn't available for rent or you possibly took it down um, so you could enjoy it for the weekend. Um, and then trying to claim the expense for the full full financial year. Yeah, so when it comes to the words genuinely available for rent, um, some of the things that the ATO considers is, you know, was it advertised or in a way that doesn't limit its marketability? So, of course, you know, if all you're doing is just, you know, emailing a couple of friends to say a house is vacant, um, that's not really going to satisfy it. But if it's on a... Airbnb or stays or whatever one of those websites that um, advertises short let accommodation and it's been up on uh, up on that site for 365 days of the the last financial year then there should be no problems the other considerations are the location and condition of the property so you know if it's really run down and you, you've done very little to attract um, people to rent that property that could be an issue or if you've put some unreasonable or stringent conditions on renting it, and that would go to also making it too expensive. So, you know, people might think, well, if we ask $20,000 a night, no one's going to rent it, and then we can we can use it during that period of time. Well, obviously, that's not going to satisfy it. So it's really about, uh, you know, it's a question of like, how much will you use it genuinely? And then how much is it genuinely available for let and I, we find our clients depending on you know the type of property in their family situation but it, it can work really well for some clients and not so well for others so for some clients they'll use the property during the week particularly if they can work from home uh, leaves the weekend free weekends free where they get most of their bookings and it works really well for them for other clients where particularly if they've got younger kids they want to use it during school holidays and christmas period and so forth which is kind of you know if it's a beachside sort of property it's going to be the the most popular times and therefore it doesn't really work so well for them the other consideration is how is it actually owned? So we find that a lot of holiday homes are actually owned in self-managed superannuation funds or SMSFs. And there's strong sort of stringent guidelines that you can't actually use a property that's in your, your super fund, whether that be a holiday home or, or, or another sort of residential property. 
So it's it's really important that you have you know really good records to outline if the property is owned in a self-managed super fund that it is available genuinely available for rent all year round. Yeah, correct. And actually, even ownership in respect to even if it's outside of your self-managed super fund, um, thinking about ownership from a land tax perspective as well can be important. So a client recently, they've got a holiday home and obviously a, a, a place in, in Melbourne uh, and they split their time between those two properties. Obviously, from a land tax perspective, we can nominate one main residence only. So one of those properties we could nominate as a main residence. And we decided to nominate the uh, holiday home because it had a much lower land value than their, um, their, their previous long-term home and would save them about $10,000 a year in land tax. And so to, to do that, the client obviously had to call the SRO to make that change, you know, change their electoral role, license and so forth to make sure that they could prove that's their predominant uh, main residence. But, you know, thinking about those sorts of things. Uh, another example, a client has a uh, property in the Northern Beaches in Sydney they expect to generate quite a bit of income from it. They might use it quite a bit, but also they expect to generate quite a bit of income. It's likely then to be cash flow positive, that is, uh, produce a, an in- ongoing income tax liability. And so we put the property in his wife's name. She earns a much lower income than he does. So even ownership around holiday homes, particularly if you are going, well, even if you don't, uh, aren't going to rent it out just from a land tax perspective, but if you are going to rent it out from an income tax perspective, uh, something to really think about. So if you are using it for uh, personal use, um, you really, again, it comes down to record keeping, but you've got to pro rata all your annualised expenses. So things such as your insurance or your council rates or your water rates, um, your electricity bills, for example, um, you really you need to basically only claim the amount of the expense that relates to the actual period that you're leasing the property for. And this is what the ATO is really, really sort of honing in on, is that they're seeing that, unfortunately, there's a lot of people claiming the full annualised expenses, despite the property only being available for rent for maybe only half the year. So it's something just to keep in mind also. And if you rent the property to family or friends at kind of mates rates, so less than uh, market value rates, that could also have a negative impact on what you can deduct. So, for example, if um, if I if I didn't advertise my property but just rented it every now and again to some friends, and you know for, for two thousand dollars, but the market rate would have been ten thousand. Um, then the ATO is going to tell me I can only deduct up to two thousand dollars of legitimate deductions. Uh, that is, it, I can make my tax position neutral, but I can't claim a, a negative gearing benefit. I can't make it look like that I've made a loss just as a result of renting my property to, uh, at below market value to, to friends. So there's a couple of things to, to look out for there. It really does come down to really, as Mina said at the beginning, good record keeping uh, and then just interacting with your holistic accountant to make sure that you understand the rules and, and consequences of making certain decisions. And of course, if we do generate income from an asset like a, a home um, and we're not claiming that uh, property as a main residence, uh, of course, we're going to have an impact on our main residence exemption, so capital gains tax as well. So again, all these things need to be considered and I think it's really just about making uh, really informed decisions. All right, that's it for this week. Until next week, bye for now.